Hi, and thanks for hitting the snooze button. I'm Neil Headley. In this series, we try to help people fix their sleep by figuring out why mine is so horribly broken, and maybe we can stumble upon some answers together. The idea for this week's episode came to us from a regular listener, good friend of the snooze button, Jane, who lives in Toronto. Jane asked if we could do an episode on dreams and dreaming. And it turns out that last week's guest, who we talked to about coronavirus and COVID-19, also happens to have particular expertise in the area of dreams. Dr. Céline Bastien is the president of the Canadian Sleep Society, an ambassador for their Sleep On It campaign, full professor at the School of Psychology at Laval University in Quebec City, and a researcher at the Servo Brain Research Center. You're going to learn a ton about dreams here, about nightmares, lucid dreaming, and other fun stuff like sleep apnea and, yes, even bedwetting. That one's particularly embarrassing. But without any further ado, here is Dr. Céline Bastien. Well, you were a big hit on last week's show, and so I needed to bring you back again because uh, there's so much that I want to pick your brain about. Because last week, of course, we were talking about the importance of sleep to your immune system. But one of the reasons that talking to you was on my radar in the first place is not only because you're the president of the Canadian Sleep Society, but also because of the research that you've been doing into dreams. And and I'm fascinated to get into this with you. Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Neil. I'm happy to be back with you. So I have to ask the the question because I hear about it. Even I mean, you were just on last week, so I know how this answer probably goes. But let's go for the same question again. How did you sleep last night? <laughs> uh, unlike last week, I didn't sleep that well last night. <laughs> and, you know, I was awakened at around five o'clock by a nightmare last night. And so I got out of bed and I wasn't able to. Well, first, I wasn't able to go back to sleep. So I got out of bed went into my living room, read a little bit on my tablet, something really, really, you know, blah, not, not interesting at all. And then when I felt I was ready to go back to sleep, that was about 15 minutes after. Well, I went back to my bed and I fell asleep. <laughs> so, and I slept through the morning. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the best place to start with this, because I want to get into your nightmare in a minute. We'll, we'll figure that part out together. I'll talk to you about that. I want to start maybe a step or two before that. I'll, I'll give you the description that I give. I used to give to my now 15 year old daughter when she would wake up from a nightmare. And she asked me once what a dream was. And I said, Get ready. This is this is dumb dad answer 101, but I will plead guilty to dumb dad answer. I said to her, a dream is just your brain showing you a movie. How close am I to the truth? Am I right? Am I wrong? What is a dream in the first place? Well, it depends who you're talking to, but most of scientists do consider a dream. Well, first, let's say that it's not like a dumb answer, dumb dad answer that you gave your daughter. Okay. So I just want to make sure that you understand that. But most of researchers will consider a dream as any mental imagery that is going on during the night. So if we're talking, like if we relate to nightmares, and most dreams, we remember them in paradoxical sleep, but dreams happen all over the place, you know, during the night in every stages of sleep, even as you are falling asleep, if we take that definition of mental imagery. Uh, some other researcher will tell you that dreams are only um, 
uh, a way to garbage in and garbage out the information that you receive during the day. So you're classifying your memories, you're classifying, you know, there is some information processing happening and memory is usually very, very solicited at that point. You know, it is really, you, you need that memory. Uh, so it depends where you stand, but most of us, you know, define the dream as a kinesthetic, you know, um, place or a kinesthetic um, a sensation of being in a special temporal uh, world, you know, and that, and that would be the definition of a dream. Of course, some people will say that it's only nervous connection, you know. Uh, it's only like um, some uh, parts of your brain that are randomly connecting. So that, that that could be another definition of dream. But for most of individual, that doesn't resonate well. So you need to put some images in there. <laughs> I'm assuming that a lot of what's out there from the non-scientific world about dreaming is just eh, probably you go back to garbage in, garbage out, where people say, you know, if you dream about this, that it means that this is going to happen to you. Or if you dream about that, then this is going on. There's no validity to any of those sorts of things, right? Let's get that out of the way right off the top. Uh, you're right. You're right. Well, first of all, when you dream, the dream is for the person, you know, you're the only one who can say something about your dream. Of course, you can use dream and therapy and have group therapy, you know, people reflecting on the dreams that you are uh, talking about, you know, and they will help you in that regards. But most of what is out there, as you are mentioning, it's uh, okay. So if, like you said, if you're dreaming about this, it means this, this is interpretation. And if we go back, you know, a long time with Freud uh, and uh, Jung and all these psychoanalytic, you know, uh, therapists, they would say that you needed the therapist to tell you what was the, uh, the dream about, because there is a number of symbols, there's a number of, uh, you have that latent content, which is manifesting itself in different forms, you know, during the dream. So it depends. Uh, nowadays, we recognize that the person that is uh, most indicated to look at the dream is the person, the dreamer per se. So, no, there's no, you cannot give me or you're yeah. gonna, you, you cannot tell me, okay, you dreamt about that and this is what is going to happen. At the same time, you touch something very interesting because people are a little bit believing that you can not predict the future, but that the dream can tell you what will happen. And this is not recognized. There's no scientific basis for that right now. So it's the kind of thing where, for example, uh, and I'll leap to an example here. People say, um, oh, if you had a dream last night with a clown in it, then the clown represents uh, this person in your life. And there's this unresolved issue you have with this person and it's manifesting because your brain is projecting them as a no, the clown is just a clown, right? Sometimes a clown is just a clown. Yeah. In fact, some some of the most prominent researcher in dream research would say that some dreams, you know, they have nothing to tell you. <laughs> nothing at all. You know, they don't mean a thing. So 
as I mentioned earlier, it's just garbage in, garbage out, you know, and and it could be like nervous connections and that's it. So do nightmares come from anywhere specific? Is a nightmare just a dream that has gone off the rails? Or are there, for example, because this kind of an idea is out there in the in the world as well on the internet, can eating a certain kind of food make you more likely to have a nightmare than just a plain old dream? Is there any science behind any of that? Uh, no, not really. Well, first, if you take the example of uh, food, you know, it can impact your digestive system for the night so this is something else you know it will give you some a bad night of sleep because you will awaken frequently or acid reflux or whatever so there's nothing behind that you know scientifically proven at the same time a nightmare is usually uh, a dream with uh, a negative valence and that will wake you up this is like a nightmare or because you are waking up, you will remember more dreams that are more salient, either negatively or positively. But for nightmare negatively are usually better remembered than the other dreams. So it, it, there, there's nothing. The nightmare per se, you know, is not a sign of, uh, uh, of uh, what you did the night before or anything like that usually you, you know we have half, of, half and half of our dreams are negative in content so you know the other half is positive but we tend to remember more the negative one uh, so and the nightmare uh, for you let's say Neil I don't know if you drink but a nightmare for you might be that you go to your fridge you open the door and you have no beer in your fridge and you go and you wake up and you say, how come I have no beer anymore? You know, for me, it's just like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't resonate with me. Uh, and this is bad. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? And blah, blah, blah. In your dreams, this is all happening, you know. But for me, it doesn't resonate at all. You know, it's just like I don't care if there's beer, and you know, but if I'm. Uh, followed by someone with a knife, you know, running after me, this is a nightmare for me. The, so it depends, you know, on what your definition of nightmare is. And you bring up, oh, this is why I love talking to you because every every time I get to a point where I think to myself, oh, I want to follow up on that question. But then 10 seconds later you say, oh, I want to follow. And then I'm thinking I want to follow up on that. And then I want to follow up on that. There's 17 things just from everything you just said that now I want to ask you about. Let's go back to the most recent one first. You talk about someone chasing you with a knife. There are so many people that have report having dreams where they're being chased or there are versions of it where I was being chased by someone and I, I ran off the edge of a cliff and I actually physically felt myself almost bounce off the surface of the bed. Are, are those different from a, a physiological what's happening in your brain standpoint? Like I've had the one myself where I was falling and I actually was awakened by the sensation of bouncing off of the bed. Is that is that real? What is what's that one all about? Well, 
uh, Neil, most of the time, you know, that dream of falling, you know, happens before we fall asleep. Uh, it's like a little bit of battle between your awake state and your sleep state, if you want to. But there are some cortical areas of your brain that are activated at that point. And, you know, the one with the balance, this is all, you know, getting um, uh, the, the central part of your brain is all getting, if I if I might say, not disconnected, but it's trying to get you to fall asleep. So it sends mixed messages and that produces the falling because it's like your balance is off at that point. And as you know, it's stupid, but this is why we're sleeping on uh, horizontally. We're not sleeping vertically. What if, you know, you would dream about, you know, the, the falling and you would fall in, you know, on the floor. So this is why, you know, we're sleeping most of the time horizontally. Uh, uh, this being said, there are many uh, dreams that are solicitating different part of your brain. So it could be, you were talking about uh, the dreams that, or nightmares that, People are chased by someone with a knife and so forth. In the real life, this doesn't really happen. So it's like there's a, that theory that in dreams, uh, it's for compensating for the uh, awake life. So you do that compensation. And because this will not happen in your daily life, it happens during, you know, the night. So it's a way to, uh, you know, deal with the, uh, uh, to, to propose a different life during, during the night. But most of people, you know, this is a very common, both, you know, falling and uh, the being chased with uh, either uh, a gun or someone running after you or a knife or something like that. These are both very common dreams. It does uh, happen to a lot of people because it's just like uh, uh, this is something that wouldn't happen in the real life <laughs> at the same time. So where are we right now in terms of there are so many people reporting that they are in this current new normal with COVID-19 and coronavirus. They're very, very anxious and that that's showing up in their dreams as well. They're having more nightmares. Um, their, their dreams that they are remembering are definitely taking on a negative tone to them. Is, is there anything short of just managing the anxiety? Is there anything, can we in any way control the content of our dreams? Can we do anything with that? Oh, you're getting in such an incredible subject. I love this question. Uh, it just, uh, you know, first, I just want to say that in time of crisis, it is normal to see more and more of the anxiety that we feel during the day uh, resonate or, you know, being in our dreams. Uh, just uh, 2001, you know, people for months after dreamt about airplanes, about, you know, uh, you know, the, the situation that they uh, lived in New York. Right now, what we can do if we have dreams that are really upsetting us and dreams that are awaken us like nightmares, what we can do is that we can take control of these dreams, of at least 
um, being lucid while we are dreaming. So this means that you can be conscious that you are dreaming, recognize that you are dreaming, and ultimately some people are able to control and change the end of their dreams. Or for example, if I get chased, I know that I'm a lucid dreamer and I can turn around. If I do realize that I'm dreaming, that cannot be, you know, this is a dream. While I'm still dreaming, well, I will turn around and say, hey, you, you're not real, you know, so get out of my way, you know, or go somewhere else or something like that. So we do have a lot of people have that ability. Uh, for example, university students, um, they do at least one lucid dream, uh, but 20% of them do one lucid dream per month. Um, lucid dreaming is more uh, um, frequent in children because for them, the sense of reality uh, is different. You know, they have, they, and we, they don't have the prescription that we have. You know, as we grow older, we always have to deal with more and more negative things around children. I'm not saying they're not dealing with negative stuff, but you know, that their dreams are more free, if you want to, of any negativity. So for them, they're doing a lot of lucid dreaming. But a portion of the population, those people, that are more able to be conscious during sleep are those people that do remember more than dream. Unlike if you don't, you know, care about your dream, if you don't remember your dream, well, you have less chance of becoming lucid, okay? So this is one thing. Most of the people also that are lucidly dreaming are those uh, are women, for example, or those that have uh, are doing a lot of activity, uh, insight activity. So they are very conscious of themselves, you know, and they know what, who they are and so forth. So there are some characteristic of lucid dreaming, but you can do it. Anybody can learn, let's say, you know, to deal with that. And especially in this time of crisis, it would be... Um, very beneficial for some individual because the next morning, if you're able to understand or to be conscious that you are dreaming and or and even to go further and to change, you know, the dream in which you are dreaming right now <laughs> or the dreams you're dreaming, uh, the next morning, the impact is that you feel more in control and that you are more positive towards life. So, so this is one of the big benefits of lucidly dreaming. Can we steer ourselves maybe toward becoming a lucid dreamer if we do more things like meditation and things like that, where our self-awareness and our moment-to-moment presence and consciousness and all those things are increased are i'm not i don't know if there's research has been done into this specifically but am i more likely to become a lucid dreamer if i am also if i have a really solid meditation practice i can't remember of any studies that have checked that but i and to uh, you know my intuition tells me that yes because you're more conscious of yourself but of course there are techniques that you can use to become a lucid dreamer and these techniques first have to uh, 
first you have to be aware that you are dreaming and we usually ask you to have a sleep diary you know so you have a book or something you can write beside your your on your bed table and you you when you wake up during the night remembering a, a dream you know you can do that there is another technique you know there's many techniques but the the, the what I can say is that if you mix all of them or some of them, you know, are put together, this is one of the most beneficial way to produce lucid dreaming. So, for example, one of them is that the wake back to bed uh, uh, technique. This means that you're in bed, uh, you're sleeping, and but you have put your alarm clock for five or six hours later, okay? And then as the alarm clock goes off, uh, you stay in bed, you remember the dream that you were dreaming, and you try to go back to sleep, and then you will, you say that you will remember that dream. So a lot of people do that, they wake up spontaneously though, and then they keep on going with their dream so it's part you know it's a dream in many parts so you can you can do that you know during the night but you you this should induce lucidity you know for some people or to get them more conscious about that dream there are also the mild technique from stefan leberge which is using memory so if you remember well your dream in a regular basis, then it's just a matter of saying that uh, next time I dream, I wanna be conscious that I am dreaming. So this is one of the technique because when I'm going to dream, I wanna know, uh, I wanna realize that I am dreaming. So it just, and you say that to yourself before going to bed. So this is the memory induction of lucid dreaming is from Stephen Laberge, and there are different steps to that. Uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, way that we have started to uh, use very much in our studies is that that during the day you uh, cue yourself to recognize that you are awake around you. Uh, so let's say like ten times a day you set your alarm on your phone and when the alarm goes you just look around and you say okay I am awake this is my awake state and you can imagine at that point what would be a dream and you do that you know 10 times or 15 times during the day each and every hour let's say that you are awake and at one point it will help you to recognize when you are in your dream that you are dreaming. So there are many, so if we use many, and one of the most common, you know, uh, ways to induce lucid dreaming is the uh, auto-suggestion. So that means that you are wherever you are, but mostly before going to bed, you're in your bed and you're trying to remember a dream that you had. And you want to, let's say that you want to change what is happening in one part of the dream. So you remember your last dream, okay, that you had, and you're saying to yourself, okay, next time I dream about this, I want to uh, be at a different place. 
or I want to see that element. It's a part. It's partly visualization at the same time. It's that that you incorporate some elements of a previous dream, and you tell yourself that when you're going to see that elements. For example, let's say that uh, I had that really vivid dream that I'm uh, riding a horse, you know, in a daffodil field. Okay, and so I remember that before going to to bed and I say next time I'm going to see a horse, you know, this is going to be my cue that I am dreaming because it should for me, it me because I don't like riding horses for me, it's very awkward. So the next time I'm riding a horse wherever I am, change my dreamscape or whatever, for me, it, it should right away, you know, uh, spark something in my conscious and say, in my consciousness and say, okay, you are dreaming right now and you can change that. I don't know if it's clear what I'm saying, but there are many techniques and... <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time you give me an answer, there's just so much to unpack. I love it. Um, okay, let me, let me, you keep going back to one thing and I want to examine one point of this because I had a conversation with someone once where we, we talked about the idea and this could be correct, it could be incorrect, but I'd love your perspective on it, that if you're a person that remembers a bunch of your dreams in really heavy detail, that actually might be a sign that you're not getting enough deep sleep or something like that because maybe the areas of your brain that are re responsible for remembering detail have never actually gotten a chance to shut off and get the rest that they need. Is there any validity to that? Well, I'm not saying there's no validity in it, but right now what we know is that the more vivid or the more, uh, yeah, the more vivid is a dream and the more you remember some details, there, there is a possibility that you're awake, uh, you're, uh, because it's probably in a paradoxical sleep, there's probably some micro awakenings that allows you to transfer the elements of the dreams within memory. So that short-term memory is activated, okay? So it might be, but at the same time, there are no studies per se that are saying that because you, we know that when we dream a lot or we report a lot of dream, it's because we did wake up more often during the night. So there were some microarousal and so forth. So it might be, you know, that there's a link with what you are saying, but some are very, very good dreamers and they report very detailed dream. And one of the way, just for fun like that, you know, I just want to tell you that one of the way to remember your dream, uh, you know, the most uh, in detail uh, or with a lot of details is that you don't try to go back to the beginning of your dream when you're trying to remember. You go retrospectively. So you start with the end of your dream and you slowly go back to the beginning. So... You know, it could be that it's a regular dream and you're in your bed in the morning, you did wake up, you remember a dream, and then you start by the end of the dream and you go back 
to the start of the dream, the beginning of the dream. If you're trying to go right away to the beginning of the dream to remember your dream, you're going to lose most details. You're going to lose the most of the what happened in the dream. That makes perfect sense. Let me ask you about dreams that have actual physical manifestations. And people who listen to this show regularly know that I, I don't have any problem telling you about the embarrassing details of my life. So here is one such story. When I was very small, I remember this as vividly as if it happened yesterday, but don't worry, it didn't happen yesterday. I would, and we're talking about the age of like four, five, six years old. I would have dreams that I had gotten up, gotten out of bed and gone down the hall to the bathroom and would remember going to the bathroom, except that then I would wake up starkly in the middle of the night, sit upright and realize that, oh, wait, this whole going to the bathroom thing has been happening in real life minus the part of me getting out of bed and going down the hall. So I had wet the bed, but it was going on because I was having a dream that I had gotten up to go physically down the hall to the bathroom. Yeah, uh, and I do understand you. You know, children, they have a lot of deep sleep, so it's harder for them to wake up, but you kind of experience at the same time what we call a false awakening. Uh, dreaming that you were going to the bathroom uh, should have, you know, uh, wake you up per se, saying that you needed to go to the bathroom, but it didn't. Why? Because deep sleep is really, really prominent in children. So we have more deep sleep than paradoxical sleep, for example. As when we are adults, it's different. We have about the same amount of deep sleep or even less deep sleep than paradoxical sleep where we're more prone to remember our dreams. There is also uh, that notion that you might had a uh, false awakening. And when we lucid dream, one of the things that does happen is that sometimes we kind of wake up in our dream Okay, and then we say, okay, we're starting to do our day or like you, we're going to the bathroom and so forth. And then you realize that, oh, no, I'm still in a dream. So you, ha you have to wake up again, you know. So these are all called false awakenings. So it might be something like that. Another thing to remember is that uh, like for, as I mentioned Children are more prone to lucid dreaming, but not that. It's just that because of the deep sleep, your body is also paralyzed. So in a sense, you know, when you wake up, for example, from uh, paradoxical sleep, there is a total um, abolishment of your uh, uh, tone, muscle tone. So you're in atonia. You're, uh, so that way, you know, it could be that you had some paralysis because this happens, you know, and with lucid dreaming, we see that a lot, you know, sleep paralysis. But let me tell you that it's quite common for kids to dream about that and to wet their bed. <laughs> well, this is documented. This is one Ooh. of the most frequent, uh, you know, dreams okay. that, that happens. <laughs> first time in my life i have scientific validation thank god for you um okay so let's talk about a a, a slightly different physical manifestation i was talking to somebody on the internet yesterday 
who, and I'll just read you what he sent me in an email. He says, he says, I've been having recurring sleep events that grow with intensity as time goes on. They're night terror style episodes where I sit up, I act as if I'm pulling something out of my throat and then cough and spit several times, even though, of course, nothing is actually stuck in my throat. These started about a year ago. They've developed into multi-event nights. He says, I've had a sleep study. I have mild sleep apnea. What on earth do I do about this? Now, I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics of that case in the first place, but I mean, that must be horrifying for people to to get this the physical sensation that something is stuck in your throat and you wake up and you're aware that you're awake and you're hacking and coughing from something that happened in your dream. Uh <sighs> These are very common dreams for people that are suffering from sleep apnea. So I know that it's bad, you know, and it's uh, these are nightmares or, you know, uh, as for, you know, it's the same. The people with suffering from sleep apnea are often dreaming about uh, they're getting drowned. They're drowning. It's like everything that blocks the air that goes through your lungs uh, and you know that will provoke an awakening because each time you have a, an episode of an apneic episode you also have a little a little awakening so and the more you do that during an hour well the more severe is your apnea so I don't know if the person that you're talking about is using the CPAP or if he has any treatment for um, is apnea but for sure if he's using the CPAP or if he's having a treatment these nightmares should go away a bit you know it will decrease in intensity but it's a it might be a reflection he has to he has also that person might have to ask himself if it's uh, anxious for him to suffer from um, apnea and it might be that um, you know, people that are suffering from apnea, sometimes when they use the machine, for example, or because they snore a lot, you know, snoring is one of the uh, um, indexes that, that you suffer from insomnia. I'm not saying that everybody that snores, you know, suffers from uh, apnea. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, they're real, usually apneic people are really loud snorer. It might be some anxiety link with the fact that your wife doesn't want to share your bed with you anymore because either the machine is more, uh, you know, is uh, too noisy or, you know, their relationship has changed. It might translate in all that. And I think he has to look at his first the treatment that he's doing and then the second thing would be to look at his life in general if there's not something creating anxiety you know or just the fact of being you know apneic maybe that could because it does increase you know your and especially during this time it's interesting that dream because you know people suffering from apnea are also more at risk of cardiovascular disease and you can have a heart attack if you're not uh, treating the sleep apnea. And we know right now that with COVID-19, 
people that are more at risk of cardiovascular disease are uh, people that are yeah more at risk or that do suffer from do uh, from cardiovascular disease, I'm more at risk to catching the COVID-19, the, the coronavirus. So maybe there's something, you know, many things that are mingled here that will say that the, his dreams are getting worse and worse. So he has to examine that. Where is that base of anxiety? Where it does come from, you know, before we move any further. But there's part of his dream that is totally normal. Is, is it possible, and this might be a stretch, and, and I'm, as you're getting to know me better, you'll, and if you haven't figured this out already, you'll know that every once in a while I ask the ridiculous question because to me it makes perfect sense. Um, a guest that we had on this show, I want to say three months ago, Dr. Guy Leschziner. Uh, he's from the UK and uh, is is this renowned sleep scientist uh, who has a book called The Nocturnal Brain. In fact, I have a copy of The Nocturnal Brain right here. And it's his look at the things that happen in our brains when we are sleeping. And as you see in the, on the bottom, the secret world of sleep. And the book is full of stories about some of the things that happen to people. Um, my favorite story out of this entire book is the lady, she's actually from British Columbia, Canada, um, who would routinely get up in the night, jump on her motorcycle and go for a ride while she was full on asleep. Is there, uh, is it just that in those cases, the line between what you're doing in real life and what you would be doing in a dream, the line got really, really blurry? Uh, I don't know in which stage of sleep that woman was, but it could have been some somnambulism. Um, uh, she could have suffered from somnambulism and at that point, you know, you do, you, you act, you move, you know what, you're, when you're, you're suffering from somnambulism, you, you can move around, you know, and do a lot of stuff and people are driving, living their dream. This is what they're doing. They can drive a long distance. They can kill someone as they, as they are, you know, in that state. So it could be like you're saying it's blurry, but the person is not conscious about what she's doing. So, it, but this is not, it couldn't, it cannot happen while you are in um, uh, paradoxical sleep. Because as we mentioned earlier, paradoxicals in paradoxical sleep, you suffer, not suffer, but you have a atonia, muscle atonia, totally. So you're paralyzed and you cannot act your dream. Uh, unless you are 60, more than 60 years old and you are a male and you're suffering, suffering from a REM sleep behavior disorder. So this is different. Okay. This is another, uh, another sleep disorder. Uh, so, but besides that, um, I would say that, yeah, she was suffering from somnambulism and she was acting her dream. Yeah. So the blurry part that you're saying, you know, could be, we, we can do stuff that are stupid, you know, just like going downstairs, upstairs, downstairs and upstairs. And kids are more prone again to suffering from somnambulism because they are, they have a lot of uh, deep sleep. But for adults, uh, yeah, it could happen too. You know, I, I lived with um, uh, a friend 
add a lot of episodes of somnambulism that were usually uh, induced by stress or because she has an exam or something like that. But she would go downstairs, open the door, and she would start walking on the street. So we would go after her, you know, and bring her into the house, bring her back to her bed slowly, and that's it. So there are a range of behaviors that you can have, you know. Yeah, and and absolutely, if you're listening to this and you know someone who's prone to episodes of that, uh, do two things. Uh, second, make sure to set them up an appointment with a sleep specialist. But first, make sure you buy them pajamas. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> well, the most common recommendation, Niels, are that you need to provide a safe environment for the individual. If there are stairs you have to block, you know, the stairs, you know, put a gate or something like that. Just the idea, I don't know if you knew about it, but just the idea of putting like that bucket of water, you know, at the, uh, at, besides your bed is a good idea because you, when you get out of bed, you put your, your feet in that bucket of water and then it will contrast and it will, you know, you go back to sleep right away because there's something wrong. Your brain will process, well, that information and then it will tell you, well, I'm not supposed to get up, you know. So there are things like that that you can do, but make the environment safe, uh, double lock on the door, whatever, you know, is good. But for the people, for, for the individuals. So it's to protect the individuals. Every time we get a chance to chat, there's a million things that I learn, and I'm so grateful that you had time to help iron some of this out because, you know, every once in a while, we'll start getting notes from people who listen to the show regularly who say, I, I wish you would tackle this topic and I wish you would tackle that topic. And dreaming is one that the people who listen to the show regularly really wanted us to get into. And I, I feel like we've covered a whole ton of it. There will obviously be links on our website and in the show notes for people to go and look specifically at some of your research and, and we'll uh, make sure that all that information's in there as well. Thank you so much for making room for this. Thank you to you and to all listeners. Well, now, you know, maybe we can have another, uh, uh, interview later on another podcast on just lucid dreaming and the different, uh, sleep disorders or something like that. Maybe this is something that we can talk about, you know, or treatment of sleep disorders, especially of insomnia, which is probably very, very important right now because of the situation. If it means another chance to chat with you, I'm in. So absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. Dr. Céline Bastien, president of the Canadian Sleep Society, also from Laval University. All the information on her you can find on our website at thesnoozebutton.com and in the show notes as well. Of course, if you're browsing the website, you'll find a, a ton of links there, including uh, ways to leave questions for a panel of sleep experts that we've assembled for you, easy ways to rate and review the show, leave feedback for us, let us know how you think we're doing. Uh, and if you're like a couple of the people, Jane and Heidi, that have made specific requests about subject you'd like us to cover in a future episode of the show. We're, we're all ears. Uh, links to all our social media profiles there as well. And remember, if you're crunched for time, but you're digging the info, nine minute versions of every episode with a different podcast that we call the Snooze Button Express. So it takes that entire 40 minute interview with Dr. Bestian and it chops out uh, 30 or so minutes of the content and gets what we think might be the highlights, the stuff that you absolutely do not want to miss. Till we get together next time for another episode of the Snooze Button, my name's Neil Headley. Hey, 
Get some sleep, would you?